Did you know DraftKings has a sportsbook app? We know about their daily fantasy, but you can now bet on real live games, especially those of you in Tennessee. All my buddies in the great volunteer state, you can now, yes, let it ride on real live NFL football games. Titans and Ravens, Packers, Colts, and the Rams, Bucks on Monday Night Football all coming up this week. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook, wants to put you in the center of the action. If you haven't tried it, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss what DraftKings Sportsbook has to offer. To celebrate the action on Sunday, all new customers are covered up to $100. That's right. You bet they cover with risk-free Sunday betting on all of Sunday's action. One of the great sign-up deals that you're going to hear, download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook Act. Now, use the promo code HELIPOD when you download the app. It's a can't-miss offer. DraftKings Sportsbook is insuring your Sunday bets up to $100. That's right. New customers can bet this Sunday risk-free up to $100. Use the promo code HELIPOD for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Must be physically located in Tennessee. Risk-free coverage paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call or text the Tennessee red line 1-800-889-9789. And I did not know that this was going to be happening today. It was uh, unplanned uh, for MJD to be the second best looking guy in the room wearing a Viore black hoodie. But uh, he wanted to do that to himself. So um, I think because both of us love Viore clothing so much, we just wear it all the time, dude. <laughs> what are you laughing at? First of all, Dan, you you knew I was wearing this. I did not. I, know. I always bring this. That's the funny part. Like you can go back and look at the other pods. Like this is what I've been wearing the last couple weeks because it's been getting cold out here. It's been a little chilly. It, it has been chilly. So you knew what you were doing. You want you want to compete, and that's fine. <laughs> because I'm a competitor, and if you are too, you're gonna love Yori's gear. Whether you're competing, whether you're hanging out, you whether you're going yesterday. for a jog. I, I did go to the beach for a minute. I also played a little golf yesterday. V-U-O-R-I clothing.com slash helipod. Get 20% off today. It's great. He talks about the sweatshirts, the joggers, the t-shirts, the shorts. They have some built-in liners. They have shorts without. Whatever you want, it's there. Viori clothing.com. V-U-O-R-I clothing.com slash helipod. 20% off today. And with that, we begin the helipod with... MJD presented by Viore. All right, we're ready to go. We got MJD no looking question. over his notes. Actually, he's looking over my notes to make sure what he says is going to be on point. Why are you smiling? Um, we have a very special guest today. Yes, we do. Uh, we had Adam Thielen on last week, and this week we have on his former teammate, the leading receiver in the National Football League, Stefan Diggs. Man. Maryland's finest, good counsel's finest, and now the Buffalo Bills' finest. Almost 1,000 yards on the season. He's already over 900. It's crazy, that game. Uh, that I know we're going to talk about it, but having him and DeAndre Hopkins on the field at the same time, two receivers getting out of their old situation, going to a new one, and then thriving. Yeah, pretty crazy. Those they're they're the top two receivers in the NFL this year. It makes um, sense. And the third leading receiver in terms of catches, not even a receiver, it's Alvin Kamara. 
the great uh, Tennessee volunteer. So I've referenced my home state and my school in the first uh, 60 seconds of the pod. So victory for me. Also, Matthew Bubar uh, with us as the uh, third voice on That's the right. pod and to correct any mistakes that um, MJD may have throughout the process. That's true. He hasn't done that yet. Not yet. Yeah. Not yet. But, uh, ever. but uh, Steph Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins are the two top targeted wide receivers in the NFL, to they your are. point there. They're they, rolling. They, they're uh, in the thick of it at all times. Um, this is a this is a crazy year uh, because we have 15 teams that have six or more wins through Week 10, um, the most in, in NFL history. And so none of them in the NFC East. <laughs> they are not. They are not. I got a chance to witness firsthand uh, Washington uh, in Detroit this weekend, which we'll get into in a little bit. But uh, yeah, the NFC East, uh, I don't think has anybody with um, that's going to threaten anyone to win in the playoffs, despite the fact they're going to send somebody there just because they have to. And a home game. Yeah, that's a great point, too. Um, but these are four teams that have six wins um, that didn't make the playoffs last year, MJD, okay. that I think are really interesting because... At least two of them, you maybe. Don't, you don't have the Ramley on there who's going to win the NFC West. Yeah, but, but these are the ones that are surprises okay, to me. Okay. Um, and that's Miami, Arizona, Cleveland, and the Raiders all at six and three. Okay, I, I did not expect things. them to be six and three. Two things, I'll Talk tell you me. this. The only one I'm really surprised about is Miami, and I'll tell you why. Um, you really didn't know what they were going to be. Um, you, offensively, you knew they had some pieces, but it was just like, mm. Kind of how it's going to work. New OC, all these things going on. You start off 0-2, Fitzpatrick gets hot, and then you make a QB change, right? And I think that is what I was like, ah. Oh. Even like midway, I was like, there, there's no way they'll be good. And now um, they have an opportunity to compete and challenge. And I think we'll talk to Stefan Diggs about it. The Buffalo Bills, right? Like they All of a sudden, the AFC East was like the bottom feeder. It was just the Bills team. The Patriots are bad. The Dolphins are just the Dolphins. And all of a sudden, Tua – like it's starting to play better. This defense is playing lights out, special teams. They're they're literally winning games playing defense and special teams right now, which is crazy. Scoring all the time or putting them into scoring um, situations. And Tua's just getting better. And he's allowed to get better with victories, which is always the best thing you want with a rookie quarterback. You have to remember how you start in this league is, is going to be the most important because everyone's talented, but the confidence of the talented player is what's going to go. So a lot of these rookie guys may come out and be bad, right? Uh, I'll give you a great example. I want to say it was Patrick Mahomes' first game, uh, not against the Denver Broncos when Alex Smith was there, but it was the next year when he would become the starter. He had a ton of success. That's all he knows. right? He really doesn't know not having success. There hasn't been a whole lot of adversity for Patrick Holmes it, throughout his career. Yeah, yeah my, my homeboy is doing his thing. Same thing with Tua. Tua's first adversity situation was the defense scoring touchdowns against the Rams and them winning. Right, he's like, all right, and he came out and said it. He was like, the league is hard, but it ain't that hard. I thought it was going to be harder. That's not what he said. He actually said this is easier than I thought. Which I, I wonder if how smart that is to say. Now, when you hear it in context, it doesn't sound as bad as when you read it. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, it's not. You, have a, you, you didn't. You didn't think, oh, young fella, you shouldn't have said that. When well, you, you heard remember, it. he went to Alabama. He's played around NFL caliber talent. He's practiced against NFL NFL caliber talent week in and week out, day in and day out for the last what two or three years. So he has been like prep for this. That's why I love that. That's why I love brand name schools because it's not about who you play. It's about who you practice, right? If your practices are more competitive than the game, that's a good thing because when you get to the NFL, that's what it's going to be like. Every day is like, I'll give you a great example. When I was in high school, we played some top notch games. Awesome. But when we played an all-star game, those practices were so much more intense than the high school football games. And people were like, this is what college is going to be like. And I was like, yeah, okay. College was a level, a, a step ahead of that, right? So then I'm playing these college games and pra that those, you know, it was uh, whatever. And 
Then I get to the NFL. The NFL practice is probably the hardest thing that you're ever going to go against because there's all pros, there's all pro bowlers, there's young guys, uh, very talented players. Every day you have to put your best foot forward. And so it prepares you to play in these games. Well, Tua's had that ability for the last couple of years since he was a freshman at Alabama, be on the scout team against some of those defenses, you know, being able to come in the national championship game and make plays. So, yeah, it doesn't sound good per se, but why? Like, who cares if it sounds good? Like, that's how you feel. Let it rock. His his statement was, it's because it's easier than I expected and the defenses aren't giving me as many looks as I expected, which to me is an indictment on the Chargers and Cardinals. You have this rookie quarterback. Why are you making it difficult for them? Which is exactly, by the way, what that Miami defense is doing to everybody else. They move that front seven around. They're constantly on the move. Josh Boyer, the defensive coordinator there, and Brian Flores have done an unbelievable job making it difficult. They do a ton of zero blitz. They're just super aggressive. And you have to have a plan for what they're doing. And it's it's not – what they're doing is not really – let me say this. it's it's not it's like middle school for football, right? It's a little it's like it's You're like sixth about grade. The, the Dolphins? It's like it's like when you go from fifth grade to sixth grade, it's like, oh my God, I'm at middle school, but then you come to realize it's just middle school. It ain't that big of a deal. <laughs> That's literally what they're doing, right? A lot of teams aren't aggressive against uh teams in the NFL. Everyone wants to play coverage and rush four. Well, they're zagging while everyone's zigging, right? They're sending eight and, and seven all the time, and it's putting pressure on teams because teams don't have to practice against that. They don't, they don't necessarily – that's not in their game plan, their defensive game plan. So a team like the Rams who may rush five at the most and those five guys are on the line with their hands in the dirt, it's completely different when you have guys standing up and they're rushing at seven, eight, you have to, to uh, operate quickly. You have to find outlets for that. And there's ways to find outlets for that. I think a lot of teams are going to start understanding how to attack it and they'll get them out of it. But if I'm the Dolphins, again, like Tua said – he didn't say that about the Rams because they ran some crazy coverages and had him a little confused, right. right? And that was his first game, and it was very pedestrian. And that was like that was a preseason game essentially yeah. for him. That's what people are forgetting. We're so quick to judge in this microwave society that Tua plays one game and they're like, eh, they won. You know, Tua's not great. Then that second game against the Cardinals that they won, everybody was quick to anoint, and he's actually gotten better. I thought he was better in that Chargers game. Well, the Chargers play. You know, let's Gus Bradley. It's just a Seattle. They only play cover three. Look at look at the Atlanta Falcons. Like literally, the Seattle Seahawks have changed their whole coverage from from what they used to be. When they used to just sit and with, with and you had Earl Thomas and you had Cam Chancellor and everybody and Richard Sherman, yeah, you can do they, that with those guys. Yeah, but they can't do that now. And so when you're the Chargers, if that's your base coverage, you know you're going to see cover three or cover one all the time. You can play faster. They see the Chargers believe that they can rush with two guys, literally with Bosa and Ingram and get to your quarterback. So why would I blitz anyone? Why would I send these exotic pressures? Why would I run these exotic coverages when I can just play simple and play fast? Somebody should tell the Chargers that's not working. Well, your quarterback can't turn the ball over. I know he was hot for a minute, but then he, you know. The, the Chargers, you're talking about the quarterback. The, the Chargers were so confused offensively yeah. against this Miami front that they ran the ball just to avoid catastrophic plays. I, I've never heard such a thing. That's unbelievable. Yeah. The only thing that concerns me when it comes to Miami, as good as they've been playing, is that it's not sustainable. They have three non-offensive touchdowns in the last couple of weeks. You never know. I mean, I know the Baltimore Ravens in 2000 did it, right? When they had uh, Trent Dilfer at quarterback, they had to uh, We always go back to that year. Hey, hey, if Trent Dilfer I'm can win the Super Bowl. I'm looking at our stat guy to tell us that I was right. I'm I'm but, sure. Yeah, you're right. The Baltimore Ravens. I mean, I mean, the most amazing thing about this Dolphins team and their success is that they have no running game. I mean, yeah. they're doing this with a rookie quarterback, and they have no running game. Their leading rusher on the season still 
is Matt Breida. He has 128 total rushing yards. That's still their leading. Their leading rusher has no 120 way. yards. Yeah. No way. Gaskin, Gaskin, Gaskin was going crazy. 37 carries for 128 yards. No, that's yards. not right, dude. Miles, Miles Gaskin, Gaskin. You missed that was, one. Yeah. Right, we missed that one. Let Pibar, let Pibar up, update his stats. You're not going to do that to this brain. Please, <laughs> this almanac up here. I call um, too many. I, I've seen it. But listen, but this is the thing. All right, you're right. I know. So this is the thing. With the, if the Rams would have just ran the ball and did exactly what the Chargers would have done, they yeah. would have won that game. You know that? They would have won that game. You wouldn't have had all those turnovers. You wouldn't have any of that. That's right? a good point. But – and I, I get it where, what Annie, Anthony Lynn was thinking, like, shoot, okay, if the Rams just did that, we would have been fine. And so it just so happened that this was Tua's third game. He's starting to feel a little bit more comfortable. You can't have that same game plan the Rams that you have to adjust in midweek. So it, it's okay. Like, it, it's one of those things. But I, I, I do love what the Dolphins are doing. Now, you're going to talk about the Arizona Cardinals. We knew once Kyler, year two, you add D-Hop, they're going to be a better offense. I'm still trying to figure out what are they doing with their first round pick, though. I haven't heard his name ever. Isaiah Simmons. I, I don't even know where he is. Uh, he's been invisible. Now he had, I believe, a a pick a couple Against of weeks the Seahawks. ago. But that was the only time we've heard his name. And I thought he was going to be a great fit in that defense because well, he was kind of that hybrid safety so, linebacker. Well, you guy. know what they're so this is funny, and we talk about this all the time, but if you look at it, the reason the Rams traded for Jalen Ramsey, the reason the Seahawks traded for Jamal Adams, and the reason the Cardinals picked up Isaiah Simmons is for one person. You know who that person is? Kyler. No. no. George Kittle. George Kittle? George Kittle literally has reamed the NFC West to where every defense needs to have a guy that's tough enough they to handle need, him yeah. in, the, in the blocking in the blocking game, but also uh, fast enough and quick enough to be able to cover him as he runs well, down the field. I believe you said the same thing about the Seahawks when they acquired Jamal Adams. Yeah. That's the same thing that you said was this was the sole was the sole reason that they brought him in was so they could defend George Kittle. The, the matchup for the all the matchups. The same thing for the Rams. The Ram, it's the same thing for the Rams. The Rams they did all that. Well, they did all that for D Hop too, right. but D Hop came after. But they did it before George Kittle. Like we have to have a guy that can lock down this tight end. Jalen Ramsey's that guy. So now when you talk about the doll, uh the Cardinals, offensively, yeah, they're scoring points at, at like at an amazing clip. Kyler Murray's running ability is what opens up everything, right? So yep. do you do you like do you like Arizona better than Miami? Yeah. I love I I like Arizona a lot. I just don't think um and we'll get to it. We'll we'll get to it as we go on. I just I believe that the Rams match up well with everyone except for probably Tampa on the back end of their schedule. Well, good thing we're going to be talking about that here I know uh, in a few minutes. Um, all right, Browns and Raiders. I, I have these guys down because they're both six and three, and I thought they're both surprises. I don't believe in Baker. Do you, do you believe in? But I believe in Nick teams. Chubb, and okay. I believe in Kareem Hunt, and I believe in a running game. Uh, I think that the the Browns there have a tougher they have a tougher way to go though because you still have to play. They still have to play Pittsburgh again. They still have to play Baltimore again. Um, well, up next, though, the Browns have Philadelphia and Jacksonville. That's right. You know, those are their next two. So, I mean, they might be able to get to eight wins before they, they go into uh, Nashville but, but to play the Titans. Yeah, but then you have a tough – they have a tough stretch uh, like in December. So, I'm a little nervous about them. And then the Raiders. I think the Raiders are going to mess around. I don't – look again, I don't think they're going to beat Patrick Mahomes boy in them. But I do believe that the Raiders are about to be like – they're scary. Because if you get to the playoffs where they're healthy, their offensive line, them big dudes, Josh Which, Jacobs is running well, uh, Booker's running well. Uh, cars playing efficient and they're using that speed. Like that is what that's what the Raiders have always wanted to be. Even when I was there for those ten months that I was there, it was a little bit more than ten months, but just you know, how much you make in that ten months? Uh, they sat in my pockets. <laughs> um, 
this is what they wanted to be when they first drafted Derek Carr. They wanted a strong running game. They wanted a downhill running game. They wanted a play action pass with fast receivers that you can throw short to and they could take it to the crib. And, and Darren Waller has been the one thing that they've been looking for for a long time and to get to him. And this other thing, can we talk about just, I don't care if a guy has tight end on his position number. He wears the tight end number. Darren Waller was a receiver at the combine. You know what that means? He can catch the ball. That means he's a receiver. They should pay him like a receiver? That means you should cover him like a receiver, not like a tight end. That's why he's killing all these guys. He's put these linebackers. You got to cover him. He's a polished receiver. That doesn't make any sense. That's well, a if mismatch. A if a team at the very least is not bringing a safety down to the box to cover this guy, then then something's, something's wrong. I, I, don't, I don't understand that at all. Okay, it's a safety covering a receiver. Who are you, who you going to throw to? There's the receiver every time. Like, you you tell me there's safeties who can't you cover Darren Waller? Yes. So There's the a problem is safeties. everybody doesn't have a big physical corner like a Jalen Ramsey or like an Aqib Tlaib you used to be. Go, you better go find an Aqib Tlaib or a Jalen Ramsey or something. Like Seattle has all their corners, are, except for Shaquem Griffin, are all 6'2 and above. They're out there. You better yeah, go find them true. if you're playing the Raiders. Detroit had some big corners in the game that, uh, that I called last week. And it was funny because when Matt Patricia came on during our little call uh, in our production meeting, he said he was one of the first ones – to put a corner in the box on a tight end when Aqib was there, I believe it was 2013. They played, they, they played, played, they they played the, the Saints and they put him down on Jimmy mm-hmm. Graham and it worked. Everybody's like, oh, wow, you can do this if you have a big, strong physical corner. Well, Jimmy Graham is not the most in, intimidating blocker either, right? Well, so, true. So it happened. He, he could, you that, that was you the peak of his it. power. Listen, Aqib said it best, and I love Aqib. Like, this is my dog. And we, we he said it best when Bill was like, hey, we want you to come back. And we want you to cover these tight ends. And he went to looking at some of these tight ends. He was like, ooh. Listen, you got to be able to get in there in that running game, too, and be able to get off a block. Imagine a corner trying to block, trying to get off a block of George Kittle, what he does to safeties and linebackers yeah. already. And that's DNs. not fair. Exactly. So that's where that's where Isaiah Simmons is supposed to come in and be that guy. You're, tr- you're trying to draft those type of guys. Right. But when we're talking about the tight end position and, and why I think it helps the Raiders so much is that if I can put the ball in the belly of, of Josh Jacobs and pull out and have – Ruggs sprinting down the field at 4-2 and then Aguilar coming across at 4-3 and then a tight end that can loop around that 6-6 and probably runs like a 4-5. Oh, my goodness. Like, you should be an explosive offense. And the crazy part is they're still growing, right? This They're just on the if, – if, if Mayock can continue to add talent to that defense, add, they need a couple more pass rushers. Um, I think – and maybe I would, I would say draft another running back high because you want to have two guys rolling with what they're trying to do. You don't need to draft a running back high. You can find that guy in like the third, fourth round. I mean, Devontae Booker's got a legit role there, and you know, they, but I'm saying they like, sign yeah. him up off the street, right? I would. Did but you I see still, the look on his face when I said you don't need to draft a running back? I mean, back listen, high? the greatest quarterback of all time was him. drafted in the sixth round. Yeah, you're right. Okay, right. And, and the, arguably, some of the is that an anomaly or is that the norm? It's an anomaly. That should be the norm. No, it's I'm not the. It's not. The so norm. I just okay. I'm glad. I'm glad you brought this up. That's great. I'm gonna tell you why because we're gonna segue real quick to this. So how much money are you going to pay Carson Wentz to continue to lose games after drafting him number two overall? Yeah, Carson Wentz not working out great right now. Huh? Give you that. He's not working out great. He's, how he's, many quarterbacks hasn't worked haven't worked out great in being drafted high like it's about that? A it's fi- a bunch of them. It, it's about a 50-50 no, bus not, percentage. It's, no, it's not. No, it's not. The Browns only drafted the quarterback three years in a row at the same draft. I think it was like 22 well, the Br- it's and the Browns. No, it's not Are the you Browns. Use the Browns as your Everyone measuring else stick? had Brady Quinn as a top pick. Everyone else had uh, Johnny Manziel as a top pick. Everyone else had all these other quarterbacks as top picks. 
Brady, and yet they still and yet they Brady, still Brady and John Brandon Whedon, who was like thirty years old getting well, drafted. Was, as a Browns was, fan, I don't appreciate any of this talk pick. right I'm, now. But I, I have there's other guys. There's more teams. Oh, so plenty. Here's the thing. I think there's Sam a, Darnold. There's a big difference. Sam nice. Darnold. Sam, Sam Darnold is still a work in progress. There's a big right. difference between how, a top. How does he have to be to, to be a work in progress? I just want to know. Like he's a turnover machine. Let's is, give him a good. Let's give he, him a good staff first. Let's, let's give it. Let's give him a good what? Let's give him a good staff. Oh, so now he needs coaching. All players need coaching. No, not all players don't need coaching. Even you needed some no, coaching. No, no, I didn't. All, qu- I was all quarterbacks, most quarterbacks need Peyton coaching. Peyton Manning ran his own system after most year three. quarterbacks. Yeah, no, of course. But that's don't give not, me these nonsense the ads. Mo- most quarterbacks. Like, don't do that. Just, off the rails. Look, either you can play or you can't. And Carson Wentz is the same guy he was at North Dakota State. He's going to hang on to the ball, try to make the big play. That's what he tries to do. It backfires, though. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. So who, who do you work for? What do you mean? What team? What team? The Rams. Did, okay. Did Sean McVay make Jared Goff better? He did, but he yeah. still has. The, but, exactly. but, but hold on, hold on, and let me say that he did make him better. He did, and he has. But also, you know what he did? He added pieces around him to help him out, right? Sure. But the other thing is this: when they were when they were talking about the money situation, and you got to remember this: money is is always a big issue. When they paid Jared, it became an issue with like because they paid Jared like quickly. When they struggled to pay Todd, it was like it was like they were fighting to pay Todd Gurley. They were fighting to pay Aaron Donald, right? right? It becomes an issue with how you handle those things. And so I'm not what the Rams have done. They've done a phenomenal job of keeping a lot of their egos um, in house, and that's part of being a head coach and a manager. Like you have to manage expectation and personalities. What I what I'm talking about is when your quarterback isn't playing well, and we've heard this multiple times from Sean McVay when they don't play well, like they need to execute better, right? Have we heard that from Doug Peterson? Well, we heard Doug Peterson go freaking ballistic this week. He's pissed off. Well, about what? What are you like? What, are you, what is he pissed off they, about? Be, no, no. What did he say he was pissed off about? I can't even remember. He, he was upset because the fans they, said it was his fault, not because his quarterback has been playing in a division where you, you, literally you have the only quarterback. Hey, by the way, by the way, their offensive line has been in shambles. I paid you $134 million. I don't care. if We don't have anyone out there. You can't be a one-man You got to make team. it work. Yes. Here, I just want to get back to this real quick. Quarterbacks, you need to find quarterbacks in the first round. No, you, you don't. don't need, okay. Why? Let's, let's look here. Let's look here quickly. At, at what the, this, okay, go ahead. No, I'm just saying. Let's Aaron Rodgers, okay. first rounder. Patrick Mahomes, first rounder. Russell was not. Drew okay. Brees was not. Derek Carr was not. Deshaun, first rounder. Tannehill, first rounder. Allen, first rounder. Roethlisberger, first rounder. Herbert, first rounder. Dak wasn't. Dak wasn't. Brady wasn't. Matt Ryan was. Bridgewater was. Kyler Murray was. I, so I'm just saying. But so I'm, three quarters. Literally, literally, three you, quarters. Arguably one of. Hold on. You literally just said. We, you went through. Okay, three quarters of the guys. Russell Wilson. Yep. Fourth round. He should have been playing for the Jags he was with me. A, he was a third rounder. Okay. Whatever. Drew Brees was a second Never rounder. forget the Jaguars drafted a punter before Russell Wilson. If you Never go forget. through the 32 NFL starting quarterbacks. That, but that, what does that 25, mean? It means that. And then half of them are trash. It means you got to find your guy generally. Why? Generally Why? in the first round. Why now, do I have to? Why can't I get a guy in the third round and plug him into a system like lu- Seattle you, like Russell did? You got to get lucky. They had talent all around him. You had Marshawn Lynch. You had a great defense that you built up. So, and I just dropped him in there. Boom. And then we let him learn with, a, with great players all, but, around him. That's but, also really lucky. You oh, got to oh, admit how before, much the luck is, too. Before we even go to that, Patrick Mahomes was the same thing. Alex Smith, they had built that roster around um, before. Who was there before Alex Smith? It was um, Castle. Was it Castle? I believe. Who was a seventh round, who'd never played high school, college football. He didn't even play, he didn't play in college. And really. he was he was there starting, right? And they built this team up around him. They, you know, trained for Alex Smith. Andy Reid comes in. They have a, a successful couple years. 
and that team was already built, then you go draft your quarterback. Okay, if you do that, you draft in the first round, understandable. But I'm not drafting a quarterback in the first round and then building around him. That doesn't make sense. Uh, and it was I, I, Matt Castle before Alex. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, okay. So, so what former Trojan. Yeah. Didn't play. I don't he, think he played hey, it down. Stop then. hating on the former Trojans. But here's my point about running backs. Go ahead. Let's let's look at the top ten running backs in the league right now. Okay. In terms of yards, Dalvin Cook, second round. Derrick Henry, second round. Ronald Jones, second round. I think second or third round. Josh Jacobs, first. James Robinson, undrafted. Kareem Hunt. Uh, fourth. No, he was third. He okay. was third to, to Kansas Kenyon City. Drake. Uh, he was like dead last. But um, are, we, are we really adding Kenyon Drake in there? Does he have yards like that? Yeah, is that he, what he, he actually does. 612 yards. He's the okay. seventh leading rusher in the NFL. Oh, Kyler Murray. Yeah, that's... Put Kyler Murray in there because he's a running back. And then, Glorified running yeah, back. First, Clyde, first, first, first round. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. First round. Todd Gurley. First round. Ezekiel Elliott. First round. All right. No, no. I'm just stopping here. That's where I wanted to stop. That's my point. You look at the ten top ten leading rushers are only two first round well, picks. But, what in the whole is, bunch. but what, that that is all. But okay, Christian McCaffrey hasn't played half the year because he's been hurt. I'm just right? saying I'm, you what, can what, you can find running backs. You can, this find, is obvious. I mean, this is a no brainer. It's not. It's though. fact. Okay, okay. Look at all the guys that have been drafted in those classes and tell me, tell me. We're we're looking at a class with Baker Mayfield was one. We know that the Browns can't lean on him. They literally had to go get two other running backs and pay him so they can be be halfway decent without Odell Beckham. Right, you talk about Sam Darnold, what he's done in, in New York. He's had zero support, man. Oh my God, we make so many excuses. What about these? What about the first round running backs? What if they get drafted to a team that's horrible? Well, and they have you. no support. Hey, they have no support. Hey, like, hey, don't by give the way, me the support thing. Either you're good or you're not. He's not good. Okay? Joe, Mi- Joe Mixon has made it happen with very little support. It's very impressive what he's done. Is he in there? Uh, no, he's not okay. in here. For so that I don't know exactly. Yeah, he's he's hurt. been able to. He's, yeah, hurt. he's hurt. He's hurt. Right. Um, and they have a poor O line. Very. But we didn't make excuses for Joe Mixon. So here we go. Because he's from the Josh Bay Rosen. Josh Rosen, does he, I don't even think he's on a team right now. He's what, practice squad with the Bucks. Yes. He's the 10th pick. Like, come well, on. Of, of course, it's a 50% hit rate on quarterbacks it's, in the first round. We could argue about this forever. No, no. This is going to be the hit rate. Do you believe that Baker Mayfield is a franchise quarterback? Um, that pause alone yeah. lets me know that he's that you okay, don't believe. But it. why do you keep going back to one guy? I'm okay, giving you. Well, what's I'm the next gi- one? Do you think Mitchell Trubisky, who was the first? No, one? those are those are the fifty percent that don't hit. <laughs> hey, Bubar, yes. go back and look at the first round quarterbacks. Just kind of just file these away over the last five years, please, sure. so we can do no, this. No, it, should, it shouldn't be a five year. It should be a ten year thing. Um, all right, so we, I think I know how you feel about the Browns. That was my fourth team of these six and three teams. It's I think kind the of Browns, surprise. I, I, my thing is, I, as long as the Browns make the wild card, they're tough. It just depends on who they play. If they play Pittsburgh, it's not going to be easy. They're, they're not going to win. They play Baltimore, possibly, because Baltimore has been kind of getting picked on as of late. But oh, Speaking of the Browns, I'm watching uh, my guy James Brown on Inside the NFL, which I, I haven't watched in a while, and I, I like that show with, with uh, B. Marsh and um, Phil Sims on there. <laughs> Do you know that Miles Garrett plays words with friends with Mike Tomlin? This is true. Yeah, they're, why not? They're family friends. Yeah. Yeah. They were, you, they were cool. No, I, I know they're cool. They're family friends. They go way back, but I don't know. That's, they, Brandon Marshall almost like his head almost blew off the top of his uh, shoulders because Listen, he could not believe that he played words with friends I, with the Steelers I, head coach. Can I, I'll give you uh, one of my good friends. Um, actually, he was my uh, youngest son's godfather. He was one of my college teammates, played for the Colts. And um, 
uh, I was, I was, we were getting married. He was my best man, and he was, we were, get, he was one of the groomsmen. I'm sorry, and he had to leave the wedding early because the coach wouldn't let him miss a day, so he had to catch a red eye to go back to get to practice. So that year, we were about to play the Colts, and uh, I brought it up on the little, you know, reporters call, like, yo, like uh, Chuck Pagano is an asshole. Excuse my language. You can bleep that out. It's, you don't have to bleep um, it out. It's a podcast. I go, dude. I, I go, I'm like, bro, this dude is the groomsman of my wedding. So because you disrespected that, that sacred time with my family, I, I must go over here and, and bust your, you know, your team up, you know? So my boy texts me like, bro, you're out of pocket. Chuck Bacano came to me, you know, all this stuff. It was funny. I gave him 180, you know, a buck 80, nice solid on the ground. And after the game, I was like, hey, like next time you'll think twice about, you know, saying, hey, maybe. Did you say that to Chuck? Yeah. I was saying it the whole game. Like, hey, this is this only this, I'm doing y'all to this because your coach won't let my man's, he's on the field. He wouldn't let my man stay and party with us. <laughs> That's awesome. There's a whole like, like well, there's a lot of relationships in this thing. Like, people are always, you know, it's just, yeah, it doesn't surprise. I mean, it's, it's shocking to the world, but you don't know who knows who in this situation. I get it with the whole thing with him and Rudolph, but yeah, they're still boys. They still kick it. Family I, friends. I just thought that I, I thought that was interesting. I mean, you don't hear that every day. A star player playing words with friends with an opposing head coach who's in the division, who, by the way, you just like practically decapitated his quarterback the year prior. Almost. It was close. Yeah. Uh, we got to talk about this, though, Dan. We got to talk about before we get on with uh, once the young pup of the year, Stefan Diggs, who now is a full-grown dog. Um, the, the New Orleans Saints, man, Drew Brees beat up. Saints were rolling. You just you just put up 30. 30 to, was it 31 to 3 against Tampa in Tampa. Drew Brees is out with a couple broken ribs, mm-hmm. uh punctured lung. He he beat up. He, he, it, it don't feel good at 42 to have all that do it. I know it don't. Um how much confidence do you have in Jameis Winston? I'll tell you what. We forget. I know why is he still eating the W, man? So like he did that the other day. Um uh, I'm like, dude, stop, stop. I just feel like he's sometimes he's so silly, but listen, the kid has some talent. Let's not forget from a fan. I know it's a fantasy perspective. He threw 30 picks, but like he he was a top five fantasy quarterback last year, despite throwing 30 picks. Oh, that's the other first round quarterback that we haven't talked about. First overall pick that year. Well, yeah, and Marcus Mariota. Like, make sure you put them two in there. Don't don't skip those guys. 2015. There we go. Is on the list. Okay, good. Jameis Winston. Um, are you just let me finish my thought? Uh, no, I'm not because you you're talking about fantasy. This is we're talking about real football. No, I'm talking about real. I'm talking about the fact that he can put up numbers. And here's the difference from Jameis to Teddy Bridgewater. And Bridgewater was able to go in there and kind of manage that game and go five mm-hmm. and zero. And he played well enough to get a sixty three million dollar contract. It worked out perfectly. Jameis is trying to do the same thing this time around. He signed for a million bucks. This is exactly what he was hoping for, an opportunity to actually get out there on the field. He has the weapons offensively, but what Jameis needs to do is what he was unable to do. I called a couple of those Bucks games over the years, and all the coaches said the same thing. The head coaches and the offensive coordinators, Jameis has to know when to give up on a play. And as we saw last year, he hadn't learned to do that. My Neither question has is, Carson Wentz. Okay, fine. We're not talking about Carson Wentz. All right, Wentz. I'm just making God, sure. You just, you, or you, Daniel you, Jones. Or Daniel Jones. You, you make sure to put that in quarterbacks. There. I do. Because they get paid a lot of money and then they need everybody. It's ridiculous, but go ahead. So I think if Jameis can go in there and play a more conservative game, which is, he's not dialed in like that. Right. Mentally, he's not built like that. He likes to go over the top. In terms of his average yards per throw, it's way more 
than Drew Brees and Teddy Bridgewater was. Um, this is a conversation that we will continue, but we're going to take a quick break. And coming up on the other side, we are coming up with Stefan Diggs, the leading receiver in the National Football League. I'm excited. Time for a quick timeout to tell you about a few of our sponsors. And we start with Greens Plus, a health food leader since 1989, known for creating the first ever blended green superfood powder and the first company to infuse that green superfood into a bar. The bars, powders, taste great. The most effective way to improve your immunity, detox your body, boost your energy, and get that nutritional insurance that your body deserves. All organic, gluten-free, available at Whole Foods, Amazon, or greensplus.com. I recommend going to greensplus.com because you get 20% off if you use the promo code HELI. You like smoothies? Throw some wild berry superfood powder in there. Greens Plus. At Vaco, the motto is we invest in your career, so you are here for the duration of ours. Vaco, a premier talent and solutions firm that provides boutique-level service with global reach in the areas of consulting, consultative project resources, executive search, permanent placement, and strategic staffing. You need somebody to fill that C-suite position. Vaco has you covered. Their areas of expertise all across the board, folks. Accounting, finance, tech, healthcare IT, ops, administration, or international managed services. They were founded in 2002. One of the founding partners, my good buddy Brian Waller, a University of Tennessee alum. He did not like how things went this past weekend against Georgia. I can tell you that much. But Vaco's still growing. They serve over 40 markets across the globe, 1,000 employees, 5,000 consultants, and $750 million in revenue. At Vaco, they're doing it right. Check them out, vaco.com. That's V-A-C-O.com for more info on how they can connect people to their dream jobs and help leading companies find talent to grow their business. I'm not sure how long it's been. I think probably three months or so, but I tried this new product called True Niagen, and I think you should too. There is a trend, MJD, in the scientific community uh, that surrounds the health of our cells. It affects all of us from former athletes like you to the weekend warriors like myself. We have something in our cells called NAD, which supports our energy and our body's ability to repair itself all the way down to the cellular level. Well, it turns out that NAD declines as we age. It also declines when we overexercise or we don't sleep enough and even when we're exposed to a virus. There is only one NAD booster that is backed by Nobel Prize winning scientists, 10 published human studies, and regulatory approvals for safety, and that is True Niagen. Visit TrueNiagen.com to learn more. That's T-R-U-N-I-A-G-E-N. I haven't been sick in three months since I've taken this stuff. It's good. As promised, he is the leading receiver in the National Football League. 73 catches, 906 yards. Uh, Hold on. What? He was once known as Young Pup of the Week, <laughs> Young Pup of the Month, <laughs> and then Young Pup of the Year. That's big time. Those those are accolades that you can't even – a lot of people don't even get that. MJD, Stefan Diggs is not a young pup anymore. He was at one point. Now he's a full-blown uh, dog yeah. out there in these streets. Yeah, he's, he's doing great. <laughs> Stefan, welcome, man. How y'all doing, man? Give me give me like 30 seconds. Uh, y'all can come in and clean. I'm going to put her up. Give me a second. Give me 30 seconds. I love it. See? <laughs> <laughs> this is great. That's how it is, man. It's not only a, is he a top-notch receiver, Dan. He, you know, he's a family man. He got to do some things, and 
We're getting the insides of it. I love it. Now, listen, this is real life right here. Mm -hmm. You know, this is the, the COVID world that we live in on Zoom calls and whether it's family coming in or I don't know, maybe... Uh, Maybe it was the cleaning lady. I have no idea. What, what What's going on? It was the cleaning ladies. Cleaning lady. I, I had to put my dog up. Yeah, so. there we go. See? The cleaning lady. You can't let the dog out when the cleaning lady comes. My cleaning lady does not love our dog. Okay. First question here. Lizzo. Was, was she, she talking, talking about, about you? you? <laughs> when she was talking about the Minnesota no, Vikings? she was not talking about me. No, okay. I, I, used to, I used to try to figure out who it was, though, but we never got to the bottom of that. All right, you can go ahead. I just had to get that out there. It's pop culture first. Okay, like, Lizzo, Lizzo has a song talking about she was talking to somebody from the Minnesota Vikings. I didn't know who it was. I knew my young pup here. You know, I look at him. Look at him. Look at him. He's getting uncomfortable now. Okay. No, he wouldn't lie. All right, all right. Uh, well, we're going. We're going from Lizzo to last week, man. I. I was busy calling a game when that was going on, but I got home and I saw those highlights, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that catch by Stefan Diggs, and then. The next catch was just crazy. I want to walk through the last couple of minutes of that game against the Cardinals, okay? Yeah. That 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 last drive, you guys are down. Um, Cole makes that catch on third and four to keep that drive alive, which, by the way, was a sick catch. What's yeah, going through your head when you see that? You forgot all about that one as yeah. well. So you, forget it, you forget about it when, they, when you lose, but uh, Cole, that whole drive and throughout that game, he had a hell of a game. Oh, oh, it was great. great. And then you you had a couple catches on that drive. You guys get down there on the 21-yard line, and then with 34 seconds left, Patrick Peterson is on you. Corner of the end zone. You, you get the ball. You make the catch. Josh Allen puts it where it needs to be. You make a spectacular catch with 34 seconds left, and you come up. That's why you pay me. That's why you pay me. Yeah, yeah 100%. And you thought it was over. I mean, everybody would with this 30 yes. second left game. You know, of you course would we did. That it'd be over. It's never over because I done been in some. I done been in some different circumstances, and I never say it's over. But what, what after you make that catch, what's going through your head? Walk me through from the line of scrimmage to the time you catch that in the corner of the end zone. Uh, I knew the play call. We had worked on it all week, um, and especially in the red zone, we didn't get the coverage the coverage that we got in practice, but we got something good enough to work in. Josh just threw a hell of a ball. I was just trying to make a play for him. I was actually worried I wasn't going to get to the ball. So I just try to dive and try to make a play for him. But after the play, I was I was excited and all. But uh, I went back. I took my stuff off, took my uh, helmet off. No, I took my helmet off and was like, "Let's go defense!" Like I was ready. I was ready to, you know, share my defense on throughout that process because I know I know how hectic it can be, especially because I've been on the other side. All right. So you go to the Buffalo Bills. You get traded. You're the number Hold one on receiver. A Hold, Hold on. on a I'm not, let me listen. Relax. Relax. I got this. You can go back to it. All but right. we need to know. All right. You're getting the targets that you want, but you're also getting the top coverage. Like you were saying, Patrick Peterson, you've been go, you've gone against Jalen Ramsey, you've gone against a top cover guy week in and week out. What has that been like, and how has that helped you grow as a receiver? It's been great. I mean, since I since I came in the league, like my first year, my first year, uh, even playing my first game ever, I went against the team that won the Super Bowl, Denver Broncos, and I saw Keith to leave uh, Chris Harris at that point, um, and Bradley Roby. And that was my first game, so. I've been seeing the top corner since I stepped in the league for the most part. You can go watch the tape. I've been getting the number one or getting shadowed for, for a while. Um, and it's not nothing, not nothing, but you should uh, take as like respect. People respect your game, respect what you can do. And they want to put their best cover guy on you. So uh, definitely, definitely teaches you something that you need to uh, be about your business week in and week out when you're seeing the best guys, because uh, you, you're considered one of those offensive weapons and they, that they want to stop. So uh, it's your job to, you know, get open and catch the ball. All right. 
So I want to rewind to the climax of that game. We don't want to talk about losing, Dan. He just told you. Like, they don't want to talk about the catch that DeAndre Hopkins made. You, you can throw it out there. So, no, I'm just, I want to know where you were on the sideline and, and what was going on when you saw that play going down and who you're standing next to and the reaction and all of it. I was, uh, I think I was sitting down because I was standing up the whole time. And I have a thing where if I'm standing up, my defense not having success, I'm going to sit down. And if I'm sitting down and my defense not having success, I right, get your ass up. So I get yeah, my bad. But yeah, I usually get up. So I, I sat down and then um, I actually thought he was about to get sacked because I got had him, had him like pinned to the sideline. But I, yeah. like he gonna, I said, he's going he gonna to get the ball off. So he just chucked it. And when I, as I was looking at it, I couldn't see because you can't see it straight from the bench. I just looked up. I was like, damn, he caught that. I know he caught it too. And when it when it touched his hand, I figured, like, you know, as a receiver, you know when a guy catches it. When that ball fits, when the ball fits your hands perfectly, the ball ain't coming out. So I was just like, fuck. Excuse my language. No, it's a podcast. You can say whatever you want. You're good, Steph. I would have said I would have said the same thing. Probably a lot worse. Um, well, listen, it it has been it's been so fun to watch you guys play. And I'll be honest, when when you left Minnesota as a guy who has followed your career since your high school days of good counsel, I mean, I've, I've known who Stefan Diggs is for well over a decade. Um, I didn't know that I liked the trade to Buffalo. I didn't know that Josh Allen was going to be a good quarterback for you because he was inaccurate for a good part of his first couple of seasons. And I wanted to see you succeed. And I didn't know if that was going to be the place. Tell me... When, when you got traded and you found out it was Buffalo, what was your initial reaction? Uh, my initial reaction, it was kind of like I knew I knew a little bit going in about the teams that were acquiring from me, the teams that Minnesota would trade me to because it was a lot of it was teams that they wouldn't trade me to. Um, and I was just like, all right, well, I'm dealt with a couple options and I pretty much knew my options. So um, I wasn't I wasn't surprised in no way, shape or form. Um, and when they say Buffalo, the first thing you're going to say is uh, people use like Buffalo. And I, I was just like, <laughs> I honestly, in my, in my heart in that moment, I was like, that's where God's taking me right now. You know, that's where that's where he, that's the next that's the next step for me. That's the that's what's in the plan. And uh, I was excited because I knew I only knew Josh Allen because he came and kicked our ass. Not not that a year or two prior to that. You know, he was jumping over people. And I don't know. I didn't know Josh Allen to be anything but accurate because they was whooping our ass. Right. And I was like, even in that game, I was like, damn, like, damn, like, you think you got a game in a bag and that type of thing. And I think that week it was right before the bye week. So, you know, you got to play Buffalo. It's Buffalo, supposedly, you know, and this isn't the old Buffalo. They came to play football and they, 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 they whooped us. So that's that was my fond memory of playing Buffalo. So I was like, I know they got a good QB. I don't. I know they got a good defense. From what I hear, they got an awesome defense. Um, and I didn't see Josh beat us. So I was just like, that's a little bit that I do know. Everything else I'm gonna learn as I go. And uh, I got excited for my for my future. Well, this offseason, uh, once you got traded, you got those guys down to Miami, right? And you guys put a lot of work in. Talk about that and just how that helped the chemistry, right? Because a lot of we see it now, especially with the COVID and all the things that are going on. A lot of teams started off rough because they didn't have that chemistry and they're trying to work that throughout the season. So what was that offseason like for you? It was it was a little rough because um, no OTAs, no nothing. You just going out there really off the small time that you spend with a guy. So uh, when getting out getting down there in Miami, getting to throw the ball a little bit, it was it was good because all the guys was around. It wasn't just me and Josh. It was like all the receivers, all the tight ends. It showed that we was we were working towards something super early. You know, before everything before everything got shut down and stuff like that, we were working towards a goal as a team for a while. So uh, trying to build that camaraderie, that you know, that bonding, because people people say that stuff doesn't matter, but it does matter when you when you really ride for your brother, and you consider him your brother, not just your teammate. You know, it's a guy that you love and that you want to perform 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 with. 
Speaking of brothers, your 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 little brother, uh, he's he's man. It's been a tough season there, but he's shown so much uh, potential and upside long term. Uh, how how often do you talk to him, and what's he saying about what's going on right now? I talk to him. I talk to him every day. Uh, he definitely got injured as of recently, so he's gonna be down for a little while. But he had a he's he's been having his uh, his highs and lows. You know, as a as a uh, as an NFL player, I feel like he's his maturation process has has gone has and will exceed mine because I didn't have nobody telling me X, Y, Z. I had a couple of his like Maurice and Antoine Bethea, but I didn't have my older brother telling me X, Y, Z, you know? And I feel like he was thrown in the fire a little bit as a, as a young player, he, he, he was matching up, messing up with some one-on-one, um, some, some big team, big name yeah. receivers early. So I feel like, uh, it's growing pains. You're going to have your success. You're going to have, you're going to have your failures. But one thing about him is I can, I watch him on tape and I see his demeanor and he has that, he got that, he got that confident demeanor. Like even if a bad play happened, like he's shaking it off, like shit, I'm on to the next play or well, now it's like a real DB. So I see, I see his progress and I'm, you know, I think he's going to be pretty good. Give him some time. What, 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 what do you like? Uh, or at least what I like about it is he'll get beat, but then he'll also make a crazy play like the interception, uh, against Philly where he used your little toe drag swag. Like he just went dead leg is is that does that run in the family what was going on he used to play receiver he only played receiver he started playing corner he's been playing corner for now a total of three years so he he started his uh his junior year a little bit of his sophomore year his junior year and his senior year and this would be his third year third three and a half years that's crazy three years playing corner. so so trayvon is six years young how much younger than you five, is five, five years younger and and he went to uh where'd he go wooten he go to Wooten and he went to Avalon. He actually got all the height too. You need to ask him about that because he's six two and I'm, you know, I'm six feet six one. Tell him. Look at it, look at it. He, he, he's like me. My I was I'm six feet, but nobody ever believes I'm six feet. And you? JD, you're yeah. five four, and nobody ever believes you're five four. No, Dan, I, I'm, I'm more. I, I carry myself like I'm seven two though. Stefan, the beautiful thing about it, man, is as I've done this podcast with Dan, it's my guy. Um, you know, sometimes you, he doesn't like to, like I told him, you don't want to talk about what happened last week because Dan, tell Stefan about how I dominated you in hoop when you thought I couldn't hoop. Oh, man. Oh, man. So, so Stefan, I don't, I, I went to Magruder High School. What and, they got to uh, do with what I did to you? Let me tell you something. I'm talking, I'm talking to my local brother here. Okay, go okay? ahead. Go ahead. And you know, Magruder, pretty good hoop school, pretty right? Good basketball school. Yeah, it was, it was a good basketball school. And so I, I'm looking at MJD, and I know he's a pro athlete. And this is a couple years ago, and he had put on a few LBs. Like I, yeah. I don't know when the last time you saw him was. He's he's good yeah. now, but we put, see each other once once or twice a year. Okay, he knows. right. So I'm thinking, come on, man, I'll, I'll be able to back him down, even though I, I can shoot over him. He worked me. I mean, just out physical. I couldn't even get a shot off. He's so quick. Oh, I don't, I don't even, I don't even think we kept score. Dan quit at one point. That's he not was true. Mad. He, I would never quit. He took, he, he, he was really upset because then, like, after we had to go sit in the locker room, he wouldn't talk to me for a couple of weeks. It's, it's okay so though. But like, I get it though, right? So that's so, like, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, we don't always want to talk about the negative stuff. See how you guys Let's like talk about it. What do, you, what do you, what did you, what did you think in that moment on the court? When you, where, where were you on? Where were you on the court when 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 he was scoring all those points? <laughs> Uh, see, you guys are flipping it around on me. I will tell you that somebody was videoing it, and um, it was it was embarrassing. You didn't was, have any highlights or lowlights. I, I I don't. I think I might have scored once. Like it was, dude. He's just so quick. Like people forget stuff. Like with you, you're a wide receiver. Like you look the part. MJD after you know <laughs> after like three. No, I'm saying three years playing. Right. I figure I'm a little taller. I'm like he can't be that quick. We forget you guys are world 
class athletes. Well, not only, it's not even the athletes, it's not that, it's it's how you train, right? Yeah. Stefan trains a certain way, the same, very, probably harder than I did. Like, we train constantly, Dan, that was my life. Yeah, 24 seven. You never you, really lose that, yeah. And so I got to talk about this. You, you, your younger brother gets drafted. You guys are, you brought him under your wing and you showed him how to work out. What was that like training with your younger brother and like really getting, getting him to understand this is what it takes to be, uh, you know, all pro. It was different because, you know, he's coming from a place where they already have that structure. Like they already have that. And you see guys who come from like big schools and schools that's like huge weightlifting programs, huge strength and conditioning programs. But then they kind of get on their own in the league and they don't have that same structure. They don't have that same discipline because it was already in place for them. Yeah. So uh, it went, as we start working out and we start getting together, kind of like he kind of start learning that shit. You really pushing yourself, motivating you to get yourself up in the morning because nobody's telling you to get up. You don't have to get up. And for me, I was just trying to set the example early, like no matter what's going on, I got to get this working. We can do whatever we want to do afterwards. You can play cards all day. We can play the game but I'm gonna have to work out in the morning. Let's just keep that as a foundation of letting them know that business comes first. And uh, once you're done doing what you're supposed to do, you can do everything else. So I'm curious, Trayvon goes to Alabama. Yeah. You end up at Maryland, five-star recruit coming out of good counsel. And Urban was after you hard. I thought you were gonna go to Ohio State. Florida was after you. How, so after you go to Maryland, why did he go to Alabama? How, take me through that that process. Um. I actually was verbally committed to Florida. I really was all in on Florida, uh, looking back. But um, when his go round, I had I had I had a couple offers to go to schools, but his go round, I didn't want him to stay home. I had no intentions on him staying home, just because I I was I was the trial run on staying home at that point. You know, I, I stayed home. I wanted to be close to him. He didn't have anybody to be close to besides my mom. Right. And he, uh, she she didn't she was she wasn't too far. She was always at the game in Alabama and stuff like that. But. I wanted him to experience it too. I always push for him to go somewhere else. He went. He he went to Alabama for their like little day, like I guess, and he said he loved it from that point forward. He wanted to go to Alabama, so I was all in on that. I never was trying to get him to stay home because I already lived that life. You know, I wanted him to experience the big school championships and all that. So, yeah, I'm, I was happy he went there. Well, that's a program like no other, and that's coming from a guy who went to University of Tennessee. So, I mean, I can I can readily acknowledge that Alabama's legit. Um, I got a hit on you. I, I went back. I was looking at some of your highlights and the Minneapolis miracle, and everything's going unbelievable in Minnesota. You sign a seventy two million dollar contract, and then all of a sudden, Stefan Diggs is is unhappy and wants to go. What happened in Minnesota? It seemed like the perfect marriage, you know, in 2017, 2018. Well, I saw I was there for, for five years. You know, those last two years of me getting paid and um, then all that, that's, that's all. That's like the bells and whistles of it. That's always the fun part. But when you're diving into uh, the intricacies of a player and his success, um, you need XYZ to be successful, you know, whatever position it is. And for me specifically, it's, I'm a wide receiver. And uh, I felt like, I was in a run heavy offense, you know, uh, something that you won't necessarily blossom in as a receiver. You know, you, you'll, you'll have some success, but you'll never truly blossom in a, in a run heavy offense as a receiver. So um, for me personally, uh, you kind of see, I was, I was talking about this a little bit earlier. You see in this new era of guys kind of taking control of their future and their, no and, their, and, their, and the things that they want for themselves. And it's not, and for me, I never want to ever, I've always been a team guy. I've never been nothing. I've never been selfish. I've never been looked at as selfish. Um, but when it comes to your legacy and your future, it's 
on the other side of the spectrum, when a team isn't happy with you, they can deal you. Like from, for example, I see guys who were up for trade on the trade deadline. So imagine being up, up on the trade block as your team, being on a the team, they put you on a trade block because it's what's in the best interest of the team, they feel like, um, and they can't trade you. So now you don't get traded and you go back to the team that you know didn't really want you. You know what I'm saying? They were trying to do some other things for you. So it kind of puts you in a space of like, um, people don't really care about how that person feels or what that would have made that person feel like. They feel like, well, I guess if he wasn't doing his job, uh, they wouldn't want to trade him or whatever else. You see what I'm saying? So in this day and there, you kind of see guys kind of taking that, uh, taking reign of their career and reign of their life and saying, oh, if, if, I, if there's something out there better for me, I'm, I'm, I want that. You know, and for me, um, I looked at it as a situation where as though, uh, it was communicated that it, what, what was taking place and uh, it wasn't necessarily, I never really said anything. You know, I never really, I never really spoke on anything about how I felt uh, or what took place. And I'm, I'm, I'm always take that to the grave. So for me, I just wanted something better for myself. And, uh, and I, and I went for it. That's the dude. That's the new athlete. You know, I felt like basketball kind of started with basketball, basketball a little bit. 100% with basketball. Right? And then it just it started to go over into baseball and now it's in the NFL and it's just starting to go throughout. And, and that, that is important yeah. because yeah. it's your life. Right. And you think about it like for me, I was in Jacksonville and it was run heavy. You wouldn't have loved that because we was them, them, them receivers had neck rolls and everything. We were, <laughs> we were, out, there, we were out there playing. Right. But I, I understand that fully because you're right. It's your legacy at the end of the day. Right. We, we talk about Tom Brady. He did it. He took his his after 20 years playing for the Patriots. He said, you know what? This isn't what's best for me anymore. I'm going to go somewhere else. And no one criticizes that. Yeah, 100%. And so I, I really appreciate, you know, the, the honesty on that part, too. Like, look, you got to make your thing. You got to do what you got to do. So we had this conversation the other day, Steph, about athletes tweeting stuff. And you you said you said, yeah, I think you had a tweet when when Cousins signed uh his extension time for a new beginning. And it's, it's an interesting thing because MJD's, I wonder, you guys know what you're doing when you do that. Right. So it, it, it's going to, Twitter is a new, Twitter is a new way of communicating without communicating, you know? Right. Yeah, it is. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. You could say, so you could say, you could say the least and it'll say so much, you know, and people can, can kind of run with it from there. You know, a lot of that stuff that year, I could have tweeted some lyrics and they was going to run with it. It didn't really matter. <laughs> you could have tweeted a poem. Yeah, exactly. And it's all, it's all, I guess, kind of controlled content depending on from the player because it's, for me, I'm never doing anything I'm not aware of. You know, I'm never trying to make a decision that I'm not aware of. But it's also people from the outside taking information that's happening around a person and applying it to their life. And a lot of the times you can you can use that. You can use that. And maybe it could be some truth to it. But um, if you never really know what's going on, you can't really you can't really put the put the piece, all the pieces together. Like, for example, when you say like that happened after after Cousins got paid, he was going to get paid regardless. You know what I'm saying whether he was going he was going to sign the extension, whether it was that day or the next day. You know what I'm saying me saying it's time for a new beginning. I would have said that the day before. You know what I'm saying it just happened that I said it in that moment and it it blew up in the uh, in the instance. So I guess timing more than anything. But realistically, you knew. Realistically, you I don't knew, have. I know, but you knew the timing was, and that's what I'm saying. You guys are so smart 
players are smart. Like LeBron was the first one to start doing this, right? And he would do no. this to guys. Who? Who was LeBron the first wasn't one? the first one. The first one was uh, it was the Celtics. It was wasn't it uh, KG and uh, Ray, big three? I think they, when they first did it, remember they were the first ones to do the big three thing. Yeah. Right. No, and no, no. I'm talking about like, but players kind of taking ownership he, of he, themselves, and 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 when they when they put out these, KG two, they know what's going to happen. When he was in 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 the Timberwolves, he didn't put out a tweet, but he was like, "Yo, it's it's time. I need to go." Yeah. Right. Like, and, but this, this is the thing: tweeting or, right. tweeting or not, at the end of the day, like Stefan has said, they were already talking trade anyways. And you know, as a player, and I, I'm, I'm going to give you some insight. When I held out in 2012, I had already knew who was trying to trade for me. And I knew what, what the price needed to be for them for me to get out of there. And I knew the Jags weren't going to accept anything either. Yeah. And so in that situation where before the whole tweeting and guys taking their, you know, advantage of their careers, which I wish I would have had the ability to do, because I probably would have started tweeting out some wild stuff <laughs> to get out. I just didn't say anything. I just accepted it and went on and played. But it is important for, for players to get a hold of their, their career, because if you don't, these like and it is no knock on coaches, but sometimes coaches and teams and organizations, they can put this narrative out there to the media that you're just not a good person or it's just and sometimes it's just not a good fit. Like there's yeah. just sometimes it's like we just don't work well together and that's OK. Let me move on and, and be better. And and and, I, and again, I say this. You leave. They get a first round pick. They draft Justin Jefferson. He is ecstatic in that offense. He's playing well. Guess what? Stefan is the number of the leading receiver in the National Football League after 10 weeks. Guess what? It worked out for both parties. It shouldn't be a negative thing. Guys are playing right. well, right? Buffalo is way ahead of schedule from what they thought they would be. And and Minnesota's playing better. Like, is this what you want it to be, right? Like, you're trying to make this a negative thing, Dan. Well, no, you, you got to take it in consideration that, like, uh, even when guys, when when coaches get jobs, like coaches get a head coaching job, they want to bring in their guys. <laughs> Yeah. And not always are the, are the players a good fit. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you want your guy. Like you've seen, it was so weird because I you never believe anything that you hear on TV because uh, Arizona had just drafted a quarterback in the first round. Yeah, and Josh Rosen. Rosen. From my understanding, I thought that everybody thought they were going to rock with Josh Rosen. Yeah. And they said they weren't they weren't looking for a quarterback or wherever else. And, uh, I think they drafted a quarterback that next year. Yeah, kind of learned. So it's like, it's never really looked at from that point of view because uh, that point of view isn't isn't selfish. That point of view is always in the best interest of their team, you know. And I and I think the previous year, Josh Rosen wasn't a bad quarterback. It was just you know you know it's just hard to uh, adjust as a first year quarterback for some guys. And you know, uh, for me, I just kind of always kind of like look at look the forest through the trees. You know, it's not just one side of everything. And when things when you can come together and kind of figure it out, hopefully. Uh, you know, this is a this is a situation that get worked out for both teams. You know, and, and for me, uh, I, I don't I'm not a guy who doesn't want anything anything uh, anything bad to happen with anybody. You know, I want the best for everybody involved. You know, what I'm saying, including myself. So I try to keep that in the forefront. People kind of get lost in that. Kind of think you have like bad energy or animosity for uh for like my old team and stuff like that. But nah, like I'm always pulling for those guys. I know those guys over there. I want them to have success. You know, that's an interesting point that I've never thought of, Stefan, is when a team or a coach or a general manager makes a decision, it's always in the best interest of the team. And when a player makes their own decision, it's considered selfish. And that's that's a fascinating point. And I think you're 100% correct because you are your team, right? I mean, obviously you want the best for the team that you're on, but you're your own team. And you're, you're your own, own business. You're yeah. your own CEO. If you're not ran the right way... Uh... You know, you'll run yourself on the ground. And if you let somebody else run it for you, 
feel like it's, it, it, it always be in their best interest of them. And there's nothing wrong with that, I guess, sometimes. I, I, well, I, I think this, to MJD's point, it's worked out great for everybody. I, I just have one question about that whole process. You said there were teams that they wouldn't trade you to. Did yeah. you know of any of those teams specifically that they wouldn't trade you to? I don't know the names. I had to ask my agent. MJD can get the names. I, I, I know. I know the teams. I mean, I'm I've never been a snitch, but it's, <laughs> they're not. They weren't going to trade me any team in the NFC. Period. They're, they're like, there's the same thing with D Hop. Yeah. Like, you're not going to trade your best player to a team that you're possibly going to have to play down the road. You're going to put him on the other side of the street yeah. where you don't have to go play with those kids. Yeah, you know. I see you. If I got to see you, I'm gonna see you. I'm gonna see you at the end of the road. But, yeah. Yeah. yeah Maybe one day. Hey, Steph, I appreciate the time, man. We're going to let you go. I just, what are you doing in the bye week? What, what's keeping you busy? Not a damn thing. Call of Duty. <laughs> it's just chilling. Here, so I'm going to enjoy Buffalo. Oh, man. Well, hopefully you'll be back in, uh, back in our hood, back in the D.C. area in the offseason and when, when, when things normalize. And, man, we appreciate the time. I can't tell you how much I'm rooting for you. Leading receiver in the National Football League. Yeah. Steph Diggs. Thanks, Full buddy. Full-blown dog. Thanks, we got appreciate you. Diddy, holler at me. I'll hit you up. All right, bro. Damn, he was good. 25 good minutes with Steph Diggs. That was awesome. MJD? Listen, I, t- I told you, Dan, like he, he's a phenomenal – first of all, when I first got a chance to meet him, uh, we had the same agents. So when I first got a chance to meet him, he was just like a young kid, but he, he, he was so into what we were talking about. We'd have these retreats every year, um, and the vets would get up and talk, and you'd let the r- rookies ask questions and things like that. And he was taking notes. Like real notes. Oh, I mean, he was on there on the notepad taking notes, and then after he would like, you know, the vets we'd go get a drink, uh, and what would happen was like, it started off with one drink, and then it became like, all right, we're gonna take a shot of all the expensive liquor we can, and then the tab <laughs> would get big, and we split it. It'd be a good time. So uh, he didn't come to that first one, but then he came to the second one because in our and in, in our agency and how it is a family, but you have to perform right before you're allowed in the group with all the the, the grown ups. You got to go on the field and make plays. Who we are some see of the grown ups there? I was myself and uh, Antoine Pate, as he said, um, Kendall Langford, uh, Justin Durant. Was Le'Veon with you guys? Le'Veon was young. Le'Veon yeah. was young with him. Le'Veon comes on later on. Okay. Le'Veon, he beats his own drum, which is good. Like, do your own thing. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was, it, 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 you know, and then over the years, Stefan is just, you know. He's blossoming. He's blossoming. And to hear him speak the way he was speaking about, like, you know, some of the things, that the decisions he made and, and why, it's like. That's what it's all about, right? Take control of your your legacy and run with it. Bubar, what uh, what was the takeaway for you when for, you uh, when you were Steph? For me, I, I'll piggyback off of what MJD said. I'm I'm a big advocate of a player really taking control of his own destiny. I used to be as a younger individual. I used to be one of those guys that said when a player signs a contract, he needs to honor it. He needs to honor it, live through it, uh, play it out, see it out. But as I've gotten older, I've realized the team can dump the player pretty much at any time and they can't control that. The player can. So I'm a big advocate in when the player's healthy and they can control their situation, trying to get the best compensation that they can at the time that they're healthy and able to get it. You just don't know when. I was just saying something that, you know, the team doesn't need a pin inserted in their knee or their foot. The player does. And that causes something to you know, have them lose value as they go along in life. The team doesn't lose value on that. And I'm a big advocate on if you can try and get that money, a better situation, a better a better playing scenario, go for it. There's very rarely uh, loyalty in sports. And it is interesting and it has been fascinating to watch how these NFL guys 
have really taken what the NBA guys yep. and done, have Man. done and taken yep. it to their own game. How about how about what's going on right now with Harden Westbrook? I mean, oh my God! He just turned down fifty mil, five zero a year. Listen, and they're forcing their way out of no, Houston. No, listen, it doesn't. No, what do you mean? No, <laughs> that's where we have to stop it. James, where's my single? Right here, James. Stop it. It's a, don't do that. Five zero. Fifty. <laughs> listen, I would be. I would play in Antarctica for fifty million dollars a year. You know, like it, hey. like like be like. I get it. You want to win a ring? That's awesome. Like. But there's so many guys, and I say this with all the respect in the world. There's so many dudes that have rings that are flat broke after they play, right? So what is that ring really worth if it comes down to it? If it doesn't bring you anything more than just a ring, right? And that, and that's what I always try to get people to understand in the NFL. Yes, and Pop Warner, yeah, I want to win in high school and college. Yeah, we want to win. But once it becomes a business, the end game is always to set yourself up and your families up for uh, lifetime wealth, right? Generational wealth. There's so many guys that win rings. You know, there's a lot of guys for the Patriots that have won a ton of rings. And then at the end of it, what? I'm not one of those guys that says, hey, you don't need any more money. But James Harden has generational wealth Does already. He? Does yeah. he have enough? He has a $200 million contract with Adidas. What does that mean? Made, it's, it may look, not be look enough. This, look this up, you bar. Uh, my guess is he's already made probably close to $200 million in his career. You, you know what? You and know I'm what, just saying, he, you, so he can go ring hunt a what, little what, bit. What did, what did uh, Kobe say in his commercial, RIP to the GOAT, mom? But what did he say in his commercial when, when Kanye West was like, what do I have to do? More. <laughs> you feel me? More. I hear you. I, okay. I want a little, how about a little more uh, fantasy? Okay, I got you. Um, all right. So you want me to go first? Or you want to no, go first? I'm going to go first. By the way, if I can interrupt real fast, uh, Harden to this point has made $224 million in just basketball. Yeah, that is not an endorsement. That's not so, enough. So that means he's made close to $500 million. It's not enough. More. So I'm all in favor of a guy like Steph Diggs controlling his own destiny 100%. in the NFL. I think that's, that was a great takeaway. And I thought it was interesting. And when the teams do it, it's for the team. When the player does it, it's selfish. That's how it's construed. So I never, I never really thought about it that and Before way. you go real quick, the, la the one thing he said that, that really, I think a lot of people thought that it was, he was like, they were becoming a run-heavy offense, which we're seeing that. We're well, seeing we saw them. it with Zimmer. And, yeah. that, and that's, yeah. And it just didn't fit what he wanted to do. And it was a personality thing. It wasn't, it wasn't a he didn't like. It was just, look, this is not going to fit what I want to do. As a receiver, right? I'm not, I'm not run blocking, which I respect. But it'll work for the Browns when they brought in Stefanski. Go Browns! Well, it, it is working. Sorry, it's, it's working to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, all right. So, a couple fantasy nugs here. Um, three guys that I like. I'm going to start with with DeAndre Swift. Um, yeah. I mentioned earlier that I called that game for Fox last week, Detroit and Washington, and DeAndre got his first start of the year. He had had a hundred yard game a couple of weeks prior, but. Man, he was electric, almost 150 scrimmage yards. Every time he touched the ball, it looked like he was a threat to go to the house. And I think from a fantasy perspective, we saw Adrian Peterson and Carrion Johnson combine for five carries. That's been the problem previously, was that Adrian Peterson was getting 10, 11, yeah. 12 carries yeah. a game that should have been going to DeAndre. Now I think they finally figured out Young Buck can play. I like Jameis against the Falcons. Listen, he was a top five fantasy quarterback last year, despite the fact that he threw 30 picks. He's going to need to protect the ball to be productive in that offense. Can he do it? I'm not sure. But I think if you need to stream a quarterback, for yeah. instance, if your QB's on a bye, that might be a good Or if person. you have Drew Brees, why yeah, not yeah. pick up Jameis Winston sure. just to be that guy, right? And, and my last one is uh, Damian Harris, um, the talented young running back from Alabama, who is uh, obviously with the Patriots, taking on a Texans defense that's given up almost 170 rushing yards per game. Uh, I think you can ride with Damian Harris this week and get a pretty productive day. All right, so this is the thing. Um, I have this week, and I have a one for down the stretch. This week, play all your Chargers. 
pretty much very simple. Get Herbert, Allen, Mike Williams, Joshua Kelly. Uh, I don't know if Eckler's coming back this week. Uh, play all of them. Hunter Henry, play the defense, play everybody this week. They're going against the Jets. That's just Mike one. Williams too? Yeah, Mike Williams, you play them all. That's a, you just, you just got to get them all in there. Um, I, quarterback-wise, I have Lamar Jackson. I'm going to tell you why. I think um, they're starting to understand their identity. I th- even though they lost to the Patriots, they, that game, that wet, rainy game, you're trying to throw the ball, it's, it's going to force him and John Harbaugh to get his OC to be like, look, we need to turn around and hand this ball off more and do more. And I think you'll see more of Lamar running, which we saw against the Patriots, which he needs to do when he drops back and nothing's open, take off and run. Um, Justin Jefferson, obviously the guy who replaced Stephon Diggs in Minnesota. I think him going against the Dallas Cowboys, that's kind of your your take this week, you know, unless it's the Swift one. Uh, sneaky play. If you're in a league, go and get Taysom Hill because he will be utilized a ton, not only just at quarterback, but at tight end, at wide receiver, and running the ball. If you can get him in a flex player and as a tight end or they put him at a different position, pick him up and play him down the stretch. And then this week, another one, DJ Moore. I told him to sit last week, but this this Lions team loves to play man to man, and that's the one thing against Carolina. They have receivers that can do the run after catch. Robbie Anderson, all those guys. Maybe a week you get those guys in, and then my down the stretch play, the team with the easiest schedule, is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Play all of them down the stretch. Get Big Ben. Try to get Connor, even though they don't run the ball as much as they want to. Um, all those receivers and that defense, if you got them like I do in every league, make sure you get them out there and play them because they're going to start scoring points. Oh, look at them down the stretch, man. Yeah, no, they have the Jags <laughs> coming up. Then they play the Ravens, and then it's Washington, Buffalo, Cincy. Yeah. Yeah, so they, they got a nice little run down the stretch that they could make it happen. So, um, yeah, those are my fantasy right. picks, I like man. it. That's good. That was more than I expected uh, from yeah, you. You're you. good with the fantasy stuff. Um, it's time for a little segment that we uh, like to do uh, each and every week. Um, they are who we thought they were. The Bears are who we thought they were. And that's why we took the damn field. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Ah, Denny Green. All right, That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, all right. This is, uh, this is not a team this week that I'm focusing on. It's a okay. player. And generally, I like to be positive. Um, but I, I'm bothered by Antonio Brown. I'm bothered by his just stupidity off the field. It's ridiculous. Two weeks before he signed with the Bucks, at the end of an eight-game suspension, he destroys a security camera and the guard shack of his neighborhood. And then he throws his bike at the security gate, breaking the gate. And it's all because... The security guard wouldn't let somebody in who was coming to visit him. For some reason, he was the way it was in the security system. He had to come and, and let right. his his guests in. Um, and this is on the heels of throwing a rock at a moving van driver and then assaulting him and throwing furniture off a 14 story balcony into a pool area at a condo he was renting that almost killed a kid. And oh, oh yeah, there's the the rape case that's going to trial in December. I mean, how many more chances can you give Antonio Brown? He is who we thought he was. And I'm telling you, I just, I'm so, it's not, it's not fair to the guys that deserve a real chance when guys like Antonio Brown get seven, eight, nine, 10 lives. It's, he's the same guy he was prior to the Bucks signing him as he is right now. Uh, He is who we thought he was. Yeah. I mean, off the field, that's who he is. Um, But let's, let's, let's keep it 100 on this podcast here, Dan. Like the bottom line is they're trying to win a ring. 
Yeah. And 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 this is the thing. Clearly. For a player, rings don't do much for a player. I always tell people that all like, yeah, you'll get in the Hall of Fame if you're a really good player on a really good team. Um, but that helps the organization make a ton of money. Right? And as we saw, Bruce Arians and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are trying to win a ring. That is their goal is to win a ring. So they if they have to put up with that for eight weeks, twelve weeks to get a ring, teams will do it. Teams will sell their soul to get a ring. Because that's how important it is. The Dallas Cowboys, I, I tell people this all the time. Their fans and that organization, they still live in the 90s when they won those three championships back to back to back or however it might have been. That's what they live on. It's, two, it's just 2020, right? Those rings mean something to organizations. So I understand exactly where you're coming from on that standpoint. His off-the-field antics, it has to stop. Like, But that's who he is. And you know that. And you still went out there and signed them on a one-year deal. So that tells you what the team is about. They're about winning. And and and, and that's what they want to do. Mine is going to be this. And I was going to go negative, but since you went negative, I don't want to, don't want to say positive. <laughs> but it has a little twist to it. The Pittsburgh Steelers probably have a chance and most likely will go undefeated this season. They, they most likely will go 16-0. And, and I said this. Not going undefeated, yes, dude. They, I'm, listen to me. The way their schedule is set up, they don't have back-to-back tough games. They don't. They just you beat the right Bengals. They just beat the Bengals thirty-six to ten or nine or whatever it was. Like they don't unless, have back-to-back tough games. Unless you call the Colts and then the Browns to end the season. Back that's to back the tough one. Games. The who? That, that's the one. Well, Colts are legit. Okay, hold on, real and the quick. Time out, time, out, time out. Time out. Time out. What did they do to the Browns when they played them last? They they thumped them. It so was thirty-eight to seven. So so the Browns. I would say the Browns are like an average team. They they beat average opponents like they should. They didn't beat the Raiders, did they? No. Okay. So they're they're six and three. And it's completely different. No, I, I, wasn't, six, so, I wasn't trying to set up a debate here. I was no, just but, saying. Uh, so, but, if what you I'm, look but listen at to what I'm. Let me tell you what I'm about to say. Right, it's go. not about the record all the time because schedules are all crazy, and they they can go sixteen and zero, and they still won't be the best team in the NFL. Oh wow! And that is a take that I will take to my grave. As much I like, I said I believe in the Pittsburgh Steelers. I just think that if they match up against the Kansas City Chiefs, it's just not the matchup that they want. I agree. It doesn't. It doesn't fit what they do well. And so, yes, defensively they get after the quarterback, but the last time, and I and uh, I don't even have the stats. So I think Patrick Mahomes threw for six touchdowns the last time he played against the Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh. And if you are on it, yeah. But if that goes the way it's supposed to, the Kansas City Chiefs will probably play Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh for the AFC Championship game. And can Pittsburgh hold on to it? Man, that's going to be good. I can't wait for that. All right, we have to get to the game picks uh, because we only have 15 minutes. Um, we have some good ones this week, dude. Yeah, we were, we were trash last week. Um, Mahomes, Mahomes did throw for six touchdowns in the only game he's played against the Steelers. He threw for 326 and six touchdowns. Ooh. He was sacked only once that game, too. Wow, that's weird for them, too, not to be able to get to Mahomes. Um, all right, thank you, Bubar, as we get to the game picks. We're starting with this one just because I think it's interesting. Hold on, we got to recap what happened. We both were trash last week. We both went 2-4, and four, Dan. That is um, gross. It, but it, but there were some tough games. You picked some really good games. We could go either way. And, and so I think I, I, I tried to be a contrarian on some of those, and, and so did you. And then I did. But this time, I'm, I'm just going to go with how I feel, so go ahead. Sorry, so we're, we were both 2-4 and four last week, and you have a one-game lead on me yeah. uh, in terms of the season total. Um I threw this game in there because I think it's interesting. The Eagles 3-5-1, leading the NFC East with that 
totally crappy record at the Browns six and three. This is like a meat grinder game to me. You know, the Browns going to pound the rock with Chubb and Hunt. Mm -hmm. The Eagles don't have a very good rush defense. Miles Garrett could have a field day with but that he's Eagles sick. offensive line. He's out line. today with sick. He has some type of symptoms. They don't, but he tested negative for COVID. No so. COVID. They just kept him home. He's a little under the weather, and okay. because Miles, and because Miles Garrett is Superman, he'll be there. Okay. Right, so this is, we're taping this on Wednesday. They play on Sunday. Hopefully, Miles Garrett is uh, is better. That O line's given up thirty five sacks in nine games by far. Oh yeah, he's going to get he's going to get demolished. The worst in the NFL. I'm, I'm picking the Browns in that one. Twenty seven. Yeah, I'm going to take the Browns too. I I, I just think the Browns. Uh, Kevin Stefanski's realized, look, we're just going to run the ball, throw short passes. We're not going to take shots down the field. And we're just going to eat the clock up and put all the pressure on the other offense to try to score on our defense in a hurry. Um, and it's working right now for him. Lions four and five, Carolina three and seven. This is an interesting one because uh, Teddy is uh, practicing today, but he has that sprained MCL. Uh, McCaffrey's out with a shoulder. Lions were up 24 to three. Against Washington last week, I talked about DeAndre Swift producing in his first start. I'm not sure if Galladay's going to be back. He's now missed two straight. And Matthew Stafford has that partially torn ligament on his thumb. We saw him taping it up there in the first half. Came back to play and played relatively well. But he's dealt with a ton of injuries, like broken fingers and all kinds of injuries on his throwing hands in the past. And he's played through them. Um, But that, that could be an issue. I'm still picking the Lions in this one, 21-17. I'm going to go with the Lions, too. I, I just think... As long as they lean on their running, you have three backs. As long as Swift is the starting guy, and then you lean on the rest, you'll be fine. The Panthers struggle uh, with obviously we saw that last week with Ronald Jones going 98 yards, having 190 plus on the ground. They're struggling to stop the running against running backs in the passing game. So this may be a a big one. I'll go Lions two in this one, Dan. All right, yeah the uh, the Carolina Panthers have lost five straight going into this weekend, but they're ro- but they're playing well. I mean that that happens with a new coach. Just to give you a heads up, they, they had thirty five yards, I believe. Bubar, check this uh, in the second half against the Bucks. Thirty five total yards in the second half against the Bucks. That's crazy. Um, Titans six and three at the Ravens six and three. These are two teams in a little bit of a tailspin. Tennessee has lost three of four after that five and zero start. Ravens um, have lost two of three after a five and one start. If the season started today, the Titans would actually be out of the playoffs. Yeah. The Ravens would be the final uh, seed based on current tiebreakers. I, I'm looking at this. You know, the, the Titans are nearly seven-point underdogs. The Ravens' O-line is in shambles right now. Injuries are killing them. Ryan, Ryan Stanley's out. They lost Nick Boyle. He's their best blocking tight end. Um, defensively, they gave up 172 yards on the ground to the Patriots, most of it up the middle, right? So I started digging a little bit deeper, and I'm thinking – Hail, Calais Campbell, Hail King Henry, right? He could come back. Now they have some injuries on the D line. They are banged up. Mm. I, the, the Tennessee Titans are five and one when Derrick Henry gets the rock twenty times or more. He had one hundred ninety five yards last year in the playoffs. I think this is going to come down to special teams. The Titans special teams has been a disaster. The punter has the shanks. Uh, Kern is supposed to be coming off IR eventually, so hopefully that'll get better. Gaskowski has eight missed field goals. Um, I, that can't continue forever. I just think the Titans are going to change things up a little bit. You're being a homer. I am being a little bit of a homer. Go ahead. And I'm picking the Titans here 30 to 27. Question marks continue for Baltimore, my friend. They they do continue, but they they have an X factor, and his name is Lamar Jackson. I think he's starting to figure out what he has to do. Uh, watching that Patriots game, he started to scramble more in the past. And 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 I was 
I, early on, we've talked about that. I, I was upset that they don't allow, they like, seem like someone was telling them, don't scramble, don't scramble, don't scramble. No, run, bro. Like, that's what we need you to do. We need you to run because that opens up everything. If they have to focus on you, that opens up Willie Sneed coming over the middle. That uh, opens up Mark Andrews down the field. Like, run the ball, Lamar. If you run the ball, that is going to be an issue. And this Titans defense, they've struggled mightily yeah. all season long. They can't get to the quarterback. They can't do a lot of things, right? I just think the Baltimore Ravens, they still have a top-tier defense. And like you said, the Titans are the team that embarrassed them last year. You always have a little oomph when you lose in the playoffs against a team that you want to get back. So I'm going to take the Ravens in this one. Well, the crazy thing a lot of people forget in that game, too, is I believe the Ravens outgained them by almost 200 yards. Yeah, they were throwing game. the ball a ton, though. Uh, and here's another really, really good one. Green Bay 7-2 and with the Colts 6-3. and three. And I just love what the Colts are doing right now. Defensively, they're just so sound. They don't miss tackles. They're tough against the run. They have the second-best pass defense in the league. And we always talk about quarterbacks. I'm going with the defense here. You know, the last time Green Bay played a defense this good, it was week six against Tampa. They lost by 28. They struggled against the Jags. I think the Colts pull it out in a nail-biter, a literal nail-biter, 24-23 Give me Andy. Yeah, I, I mean, listen. Oh, you're going with a better quarterback. Here we go. Here we go. You hate quarterbacks, but you're going to go with the better quarterback. I'm gonna go. I, I hate. I hate most quarterbacks that aren't worth their money. Yeah, that aren't worth the hundred million they get, the twenty five a year, the thirty a year that you get. But you need a running game and receivers to help you. But the guy that I'm about to talk about, he don't need none of that. He plays better without his best weapon sometimes. Uh, Devonte Adams. So uh, give me Aaron Rodgers. I look at the end of the day, Green Bay is they're gonna they're gonna bounce back. They struggled in the cold against the Jacksonville Jaguars team, who was supposed to be a fourteen point underdog or something like that. Anytime that happens, you know it, the team takes that person. They play harder. This is a close game. I expect Aaron Rodgers, especially in a dome, to go out and light it up. And Philip Rivers. You know, he's on his upswing right now, so eventually he's going to come like this. This is always happens. He always, no, no, no. He tick, 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 tick. He started out low, and then in the last few games, it's 10 touchdown passes and two picks. So. And that's what I'm saying. Now it's time to start going this way. So I, I, I and then I want to say, I don't know if uh, Jair Alexander will be back. That's the other thing that the uh, Jags and have their best corner, uh, the Packers and have their best corner. And so I, I think, man, I, listen, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, man, they're they're rolling. Close? Close or not close, they win. I don't. Okay. I don't right. know. Fair that, enough. You know, um, Chiefs at the Raiders. <laughs> My favorite story is about the. Uh, oh, the that's little, so disrespectful. The that is bus so trip they took dis- around the stadium. Listen, people. Like I've heard multiple takes on this. Like, why is Andy Reid upset? Look at his Super Bowl ring. No, that is disrespectful, man. Like, look, you won. This is professional football. You're supposed to win and win with class. Is what we say, right? We always tell them, be classy, be classy. That was so classy. Even though I love it, it's petty. I love it. Like I would have did it if I was the Raiders because I didn't understand the rivalry. But I love that John Gruden went around the the stadium one more time. Do it one more time. So, so in case you hadn't heard this story, after they won in Kansas City, the Raiders circled Arrowhead Stadium in the team buses as if it were a victory lap. Right, and, and that's what, you know they haven't won there, and it was like four or five years or something like that. But I'll tell you this much, you know. When, when you say revenge is best served cold, it reminds me of a scene in Game of Thrones when uh, the sandwiches kissed uh, Cersei's daughter and they gave her the kiss of death and she died, right? Mm-hmm. And so what Cersei did when she caught the sandwiches, she tied, she had them both chained up to a wall and she had the mom watch her as she kissed the daughter with the kiss of death and hurt her. What I'm saying is if I'm the Chiefs and you go out here and you do your job and you win, you take a victory lap down the strip. 
And you have a ball, <laughs> man. And you make it work. And you make this rivalry so much more petty and so much more fun to ro- watch. That's what you're supposed to do, Andy. You know, on that, on that note, uh, when they asked Gruden at his presser about it, uh, he said they took a victory lap around the stadium because the bus driver was a smart aleck and then immediately went to the next question. And I'd also like to point out that MJD is very cold because not only did he talk about Game of Thrones and that revenge, last week he talked about burning some boats and taking somebody else's on the way home. Yeah. So I just want to point out that Burn the boats. MJD is cold-blooded that's right <laughs> and that was he, all he is very cold but unfortunately uh kansas city's gonna win this that's not the unfortunate part the unfortunate part is they're not gonna take that victory lap down the strip no. because that's not any reason that's not his style but if it, yeah. it would be my style for sure yeah they're gonna win he's uh, gonna dab on him that's yeah. what he's gonna do <laughs> dab on uh I, I say they win 38 27 all right rams at bucks Ooh. how about bruce arian saying his team is tired you know they don't have a buy until week 12 uh, they've actually been thumped in primetime twice, the Bears and the Saints. I I, I think they're going to rebound here. I know MJD's going to pick the What do they got rebound off of? They just won 46 and no, 23. I, I'm saying in primetime because um, they've lost two out of three, I believe, in primetime. Um, I'm going Bucks here. I just think it's too much firepower it's, it's for the Rams. There's a lot Rams of firepower. Do you want me to tell you what they're going to do? And this, this is the problem. Um, you have to hope, and, and I say that you have to hope that your front four, front five, get pressure immediately on them on uh, Tom Brady. That's the only way you can beat them. Um, that's how they've lost. Uh, that's how they lost to uh, New Orleans. That's how they lost to Chicago. New Orleans twice? Yeah, New Orleans twice in Chicago. That's how they lost is because they got immediate pressure on him and he was uncomfortable and he just started, you know, playing, you know, not like the guy that we're used to seeing. If you allow him to sit in that pocket and be comfortable, you're going to get 40 points put on you because they have the, the ability to do that. And he's still not in sync with Antonio Brown. Um, so this is my thing to the Rams. Offensively, you can't turn the ball over. I'm going to take the Rams, you know, because I believe they're going to go 16-0 every, every year. This is how it goes. <laughs> Here we go. But – if they can play, if they if they run the ball, they don't turn all, uh, over on offense. That's going to be great for them. You l- allow that play action pass to work, and then defensively, Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd and company, they have to get pressure today. Like I'm talking about right now, you got to start getting pressure right now on Tom Brady so he can start seeing ghosts to help out your back end. But you know, it's going to be a great game. I'm going to pick the Rams. I don't know what your score. You didn't pick a score for this one, but I'm, I'm going to pick the Rams in this one. All right, yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Bucks over your Rams. Um, I just believe Todd Bowles is gonna dial up similar type pressure uh, well, for Jared go Goff. Zero blitz. I, 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 listen, he see, watches. He watches. You know tape. what's funny? Seattle did that, and so that the, the Rams started the game against Seattle with a quick screen to let them know, like, all right, bring this blitz if you want to. Mm-hmm. We got answers for it, and they got like ten yards on the first play, and so it, it scared Seattle out of it. I wonder if he starts the game with that again. If he comes out in shotgun, you come out empty, and he gets a ball out quick, and they go down the field right away. Will that kind of deter Todd Bowles and his him being as aggressive? No, it's a valid point. I just think we're talking about uh, two very different defenses in Seattle's and Tampa's. Who? Which one you think one's better? Who do you think is better? I think Tampa is far better than Seattle's defense. Why? Why is it far better? Seattle? Oh, no, oh, I thought you were talking about the Rams' defense. No, no, no. Yeah, I'm talking about Seattle in terms so of what they're So, whose defense facing. is better, Tampa or, or the Rams? Which one do you think? I, I think Who they're both good. Who would you take? I, I, I think I would take Tampa. I know you would. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're crazy. 
<laughs> Two of the top defensive players on one de- in, in the league on one defense. You take the other one. Hey, Come on, bro. I'm just saying. I, 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 I that's like, why this is the helipod with MJD because you need some sense brought in this thing. Oh, you're, you're, out, you're, 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 out, you're crazy You're the right voice now. of reason? No question. Well, let's not pay quarterbacks. Let's draft running backs in the first round. We'll leave you on that note. Whoa! Before, while you say that, that is actually the smartest thing you've said. I'm going to tell you why. No, no, I didn't mean that. No, but I was I, but, just but, regurgitating but, but, what you say. But it's smart because if I'm going to, if I'm not going to pay a running back, why would I not draft him in the first round so I get five good years out of him and then let him go to free agency and go somewhere else? You draft a running back in the first round, he's automatically one of the highest paid running backs in the NFL, like Saquon, no, which is why no. one of the reasons some people say, ah, oh, maybe we don't need to re-sign Saquon. Yeah, anymore. and you won two games. Why do we debate right down until the end? I'm just saying, like, you're, you're saying you're spewing out nonsense to our fans. Like, you don't think the Giants would be significantly better on offense without, with, that, with Saquon? Oh, no, I disagree with the... Okay. With the the mindset that you don't want to resign I don't know Saquon. if you I don't know if they would sign him to a second deal. Well, that's what that's what people are saying is we're going to have to pay through the nose to sign him to a second deal. So why? Let him go free agency, get some get some uh commissary picks, let someone else pay him. Someone else will pay him. Oh, so you don't you don't think Saquon needs to stay there? I, I, I feel I like mean, you're contradicting yourself. I'm not. I'm what I just said was if I'm going to if I'm a GM, I'm going to draft running backs in the first round so that I don't have to pay them a second deal. I can franchise tag them and then let them walk. Oh, you're saying just go for 5 years or so, yeah. 6 years and then and then let them go. Let them go. Why why wouldn't you do that if you're going to be smart about it? Now, if you got a baller like myself, you know, you got to make sure you get that second deal in. You missed out on the first one cuz you got me in the second round, but that's neither here nor there, Dan. Yeah, you have one minute until you have to jump off this podcast, so I'm going to remind you that you need to go. Um, Helipot with MJD, a pleasure as always, brother. This was a great one. We'll We'll see you next week. 